DJ PK, time to talk jazz basketball with Ben Anderson here on the Jazz Radio Broadcast pre-half and post-game. He's on the Sprint Special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Ben, good morning. Good morning. So, Ben, the Jazz lose. There are probably several reasons, but what is one that jumps out at you as the most important? Uh, I mean, probably just the poor shooting from their their three best offensive players, or at least maybe their most you know three recognizable offensive players. When you go seven of twenty eight with Donovan and, and Boyan Bogdanovich and Rudy Gobert and score just twenty two points, I mean, I think that's probably the easiest point to look at and say if one of those guys has an average night, it's a much different basketball game. Why do you think Bogdanovich has been so hot and cold here recently? I do think some of it's the, the scheme right now the teams are playing and, and their recognition that, hey, if you put a smaller defender on him, he's not necessarily comfortable shooting over him from the three-point line, so he feels like he needs to put the ball on the floor, and then they poke the ball away, and that seems like it's been a really common issue for Boyan. So I think that's the main problem, and he's he's got to adjust to the fact that he's either got to shoot over him and be comfortable doing it, but eight shots on a night like last night's probably too few when the Jazz offense is struggling so bad. You know, one thing is when you see a team shooting low percentage, often they've uh, stopped going to the hoop. But you look at the shot shot after the game, and Bogdanovich was uh, 0 for 3 inside of about 6 feet. Donovan Mitchell was 1 for 8 inside of 6 feet. Do we chalk that up to the Toronto Raptors' extraordinary length and athleticism changing a lot of those shots? Yes and no. I mean, there was just some bad luck. Uh, Jordan Clarkson on a fast break tried to draw a foul on Pascal Siakam instead of just going up and laying it in or dunking the ball. And it was in some ways the right play because it would have put Siakam in foul trouble in a game that they just had no depth. But uh, at the same point, you just need the points. You just, you just needed that basket, and they blew it. So uh, I think in some, they just missed some bunnies. They missed some easy shots. And, and some nights that's going to happen to you, and it's going to be the difference in the game. Uh, but also, you know, there is a modern – the Houston Rockets dictated a little bit with Robert Covington, though it seems like it's fallen off. There's kind of a modern belief that you can defend the rim with smaller basketball players, and it probably actually goes back to those those Heatles teams, the LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh teams that didn't have a true rim protector and were still really good defensively at the rim. So as we look at this team since the All-Star break, it's been hot or cold, and maybe Bogdanovich has been a symbol of this. I'm wondering as we go forward, though, is this who they are? Because there's time to, to get going here and maybe move up a seat or two, or do you expect more of the same? Offensively, yes, this is probably who they are. But, you know, they're, they're a jump-shooting team. They're a three-point shooting team, and those are going to have hot nights, and those are going to have bad nights. And when you're hot, you're going to be almost impossible to beat. And when you're not, you're going to be beatable. Now, I think the good news is you're starting to see the defense improve. And clearly, Quinn Snyder and Rudy Gobert have talked about that a lot and how it needs to improve. Uh, and last night, they were pretty good defensively. And in, in, in their last six games now, they haven't had a defensive rating of worse than 120, which 120 is an enormously high number. But they, they were giving that up basically every other game in February. So I think that's getting better. And if your defense gets better, that's where you can find more consistency. But still, you know, not to be too cliche, but, you know, it's a make-or-miss league, and, and the Jazz missed some shots last night that they needed to make, and the Raptors made some shots that the Jazz needed them to miss, including that, that late three from Kyle Lowry, which is not a high-percentage shot, but he made it, and that cost him the game. So do you feel like this is about to be uh, another losing streak after the winning streak after the losing streak? Can we know how this has been going now for, uh, you know, the better part of a month? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the games you've got coming up should be somewhat winnable. You know, uh, I mean, Oklahoma City is a very tough game. That's not that's not a gimme by any stretch. But then you have two games at home against teams you're better than. Now, games at home that the Jazz are better than hasn't necessarily meant anything recently. Where the Jazz are three and seven at, in Salt Lake in their last ten games. You know, they lost to Phoenix. They lost to San Antonio. The Jazz aren't beating teams that they should be beating in Salt Lake. So that's that's troubling. But no, I would think we probably don't see a really long losing streak now of four games or more, which the Jazz have had basically every time they've stepped on the floor. So I think January 7th, the Jazz are either winning games in long stretches or losing games. I, I bet they break that this week. Yeah, you say troubling. I mean, I say shocking as far as this lack of home court success. Uh, I can't put my finger on it. Does it just boil down to shots not going in in those situations or what? I do think that's some of it. I mean, they're just inconsistent. They're, they, they don't have a very solid identity uh, other than being a three-point shooting team. And again, some of that is, yeah, just shots aren't going in. But you, just, you don't see the same effort every night. You don't see the same identity from the team every night. Donovan Mitchell doesn't seem to know where he's going to get his shots every night. And that's not that he doesn't know that he's going to get his shots. He gets his shots. They just don't generally seem to come from the same area or the same spot some nights. So I feel like that's an issue as well. And, and that's on Donovan. That's not on the rest of the team or the coaching staff. That's just, you know, he needs to figure out, you know, if he's three of six from three, maybe some nights he needs to dial it in and, and shoot a few more threes as opposed to trying to get to the rim. And, and some nights if he's not shooting well, he needs to find a way to get to the rim and, and, and score more efficiently or go to the free throw line. Uh, and he, I don't think you saw enough of that last night. So how many parallels do you see between the Jazz and the Rockets, teams that the three is really important because the Rockets take so many or because the Jazz shoot such a high percentage in relation to the rest of the league? Uh, How much of this is live by the three, die by the three, even if last night was a little bit of die by the two? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's certainly some similarities there, and I think that was probably the design. I mean, in the offseason, I think the Jazz said, hey, we're losing to this Rockets team because we can't hit enough threes to stay with them, so we're going to go get a bunch of three-point shooters to try and stay with them. And they did that, and, you know, that's, <laughs> the Rockets might not be their main opponent right now or may not be their uh, their biggest enemy that they have to get through if they want to advance in the playoffs. So I guess that is some of the flaw of designing yourself to, to beat a specific team in the postseason, and I, I think we've seen that happen in the NBA in the past. Uh, so I definitely think there are some parallels there. I mean, I think that was who the Jazz have been gauging themselves or measuring themselves against for the last two seasons. When you say, you know, the Jazz is so far as a three-point shooting team, how many teams are you putting in that in that category? Because it seems like just about not necessarily all of the Western contenders, and I use the word contender a little looser than I would have maybe earlier in the season relative to the Jazz, but it seems to me there's a lot of teams in that same boat. I mean, I think that's just the NBA. Greg Popovich last year said he didn't like basketball anymore because all you have to do is look at the box score and see who hit more threes to, to win games, and it's a little reductive, and, and it's certainly not the case. But, I mean, I was looking at the Milwaukee Bucks last night and the games that they've lost. They've lost, I mean, I guess 13 now. But if you exclude last night when they didn't play anybody, uh, when they were going up against the Denver Nuggets, in their 12 losses, seven games or more, their opponent has hit 41% of their threes or better. So, basically, if you hit 40% of your threes and the Jazz did it, you have a chance to beat them. And if you don't, you're probably going to lose. So, that's the only way to beat some of those teams. And, look, Milwaukee takes a lot of threes. Now, they give up a lot of threes, and there's kind of something funny going on there because the Toronto Raptors, we saw last night, gave up a ton of of threes, and the Jazz were somewhat successful. Uh, But but I do think that's going to end up being 
probably ultimately what decides the championship this year is, you know, which team shoots best in the in the finals or in the conference finals. And it's going to come down to, you know, making a few shots versus missing a few shots. It's, again, cliche as it sounds, that's what the NBA has designed itself suddenly to be. It's not, you know, a lot of going to the free throw line and, and isolating or, or running one play over and over like the Jazz did to get the pick and roll. It's just not what the league is anymore. See, uh, do you see any backlash to that? Any chance there's going to be rule changes down the or is this the road for the future and you might as well build a team because the rules aren't changing. This is, this is what people want and this is what the NBA is going to be. I think the league's constantly changing because teams are figuring out how to, you know, attack what the opposing weaknesses and, you know, I mean, it's, it's a constant chess move year to year where, again, the, the Milwaukee Bucks and Toronto Raptors give up a lot of three and they're the best defensive teams in the NBA. So that doesn't make any sense if everyone's trying to shoot threes and they're letting you that they're still winning so many games. So there's something there and there will be an adjustment. And look, I, I always kind of believe that the league and the style of basketball is dictated by the best player. So. When that was Michael Jordan, teams had to try and figure out how to score around Michael Jordan or or defend him. So they built their teams accordingly. And then Shaq came into the league, and everybody had to have a seven foot guy who had six fouls and you know weighed almost three hundred pounds just to put a body on him. And then LeBron comes in the league, and it's no surprise that all of a sudden Jason Tatum, Pascal Siakam, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, all these six eight to seven foot tall guys that are super athletic that can put the ball on the floor become in vogue and it just it changes as the league changes you know uh, but but Steph Curry was probably the best player in the NBA for a couple of years and everyone tried to mimic that and everyone's shooting threes now so when the next best player comes into the league or the next fad comes into the league it will adjust and I think it's it's foolish for the NBA to try and fix it or get away from it it's also you know some of the most exciting basketball I think that the NBA's ever had you think there'll be any fallout for what happened to Gobert and then his comments after the game? I bet you Rudy gets fined. I mean, you probably, you can't say I'm going to do justice myself if the refs are going to call it. I don't think you can threaten to hurt somebody. Uh, also, OG Ananobi should probably be suspended a game. I don't want to sound uh, like I'm having an overreaction, but you, you really cannot swing at a player like that, especially at a player's head, especially at an elbow where, with an elbow, I mean, he he sized Rudy up. If Rudy wasn't seven feet tall, I, he really could have, you know, hurt him and, and done damage to the Jazz and done damage to the Jazz's, you know, uh, playoff hopes. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs, but an injury like that, if it's a concussion or a broken jaw, can cost you what five games? Cost you twenty games if it's a broken jaw. So, I, I mean, I think you absolutely need to let the Raptors and OG and Obi and the rest of the players recognize that. Hey. You can't do it. But it's also the second night in a row that Rudy Gobert has almost gotten to a fight. He almost did it uh, in Detroit as well. So, I mean, I think the frustrations that he's having on the floor are starting to boil over a little bit as well. Yeah, I could sign off on both those things. I think that uh, finding, finding Rudy for popping off like that in the postgame, man, I was sitting right there. That was, that was hard to believe he said that. And then uh, the suspension, I think you're, you're probably spot on with both those things. So the toughness, yeah, the toughness angle, the fact that they got out-rebounded by 19 boards, that they were giving up three and four shots on some possessions, uh, that they let two guys get loose for 11 offensive rebounds on a night that, you know, second night of back-to-back, fifth game on a Western swing, all the excuses are built in and even reasonable that they'd be low energy, but this other team plays with more toughness and more energy. How does Quinn address that? Yeah, I mean, sometimes that's, focus and you know we we talked a little bit last night about 
there. By the time they get back on Thursday, they'll have played seven games in seven different cities. So I'm sure they're a little tired, but they shouldn't have been more tired than the Raptors were last night, especially as shorthanded as they were. So uh, that, that comes down to playing hard, and sometimes that just comes down to focus and, and what you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, the Jazz, no pun intended, took their eye off the ball and gave up too many rebounds. And, and sometimes it was some weird matchups, but for the most part, it was just the Jazz not kind of putting in the effort, and, and that's you know that's the problem. You can't let your offense or poor offense dictate whether or not you're grabbing rebounds or whether or not you're trying hard for certain loose balls, and I thought for the most part the Jazz were fine. I was a little surprised, honestly, at the end of the game that the, the rebounding battle was that disproportionate, but you, you need to fix that. You need to find a way to get those rebounds. Put more than one game as far as stock into the Jazz versus Oklahoma City. Uh, I mean, certainly Rudy Gobert talked about how he had watched them. He was at shoot around yesterday. And he talked about how he watched them Sunday when they beat the Celtics because he thinks there's a potential playoff matchup there. And and we, we have no idea what's going to happen over these last 18 games of the season. You know, you're an injury away from the Clippers falling from the two seed down to the you know six seed potentially if it's the wrong guy if Kawhi gets hurt. So. I think it's hard to to know who you're going to be playing or trying to position yourself on who you're going to be playing. But, no, I think this is an important game. I think this is an upper-level team. It's not a great team, but it's a good playoff team. Uh, It's a team that the Jazz have struggled with this season. They really haven't had an answer for Chris Paul in any of the games, including the win. So I think it's an important game. I think you're starting to get to measuring stick games and, and games that are going to determine your playoff seating and, and potential future of who you're going to be playing. So, no, I think this is actually a really huge game for the Jazz. Don't you think that they are probably going to face Oklahoma City or Houston in the first round with a possibility but a less likely chance it ends up being Dallas or Denver? Yeah, I mean, they probably the safest bet is ending up in the 4-5 matchup. I still think that's the case. Now, you look at Denver's schedule, and they certainly hurt the Jazz last night by getting the Bucks, who simply just weren't trying. I mean, they put out five new starters for the first time all season. Uh, Denver's schedule is brutal. They, they have to play, I think it's the fourth or fifth toughest schedule the rest of the way. You know, and the Jazz are 16th. The Jazz aren't don't have an easy schedule by any stretch, but Denver really has some, some landmines that they're going to have to avoid if they want to continue to be in that top two or three. So, I mean, I think ideally, if you're the Jazz, you can pull in that three seed. Yeah, you can get matched up with Oklahoma City or Dallas uh, with the six, and you avoid you know that four or five matchup, which would be Houston and Denver. And there's going to be a really fun first round series this year. I mean, I think all of the first round series in the West are going to be really fascinating. But I think you're probably right. They're going to have to be a little bit more consistent to make sure they don't fall themselves at, at four or five. But there's a good chance that that's what happens at the end of the season. Ben, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. Ben Anderson. Listen to him on the Jazz pre-, half-, and post-game radio shows right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone. Take a break, come back, catch you up to date on all the stuff we've been talking about this morning. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz saw their win streak halted in a 102-91 loss to the Toronto Raptors. They fall two games behind the third-place Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference playoff race. Nuggets beat the Bucks 109-95. Giannis Antetokounmpo is out hurt. 
Jazz will be in Oklahoma City tomorrow night to take on the Thunder at 6 p.m. The Thunder are in fifth place in the West, just one game behind the Jazz. NBA joins Major League Baseball, NHL, and Major League Soccer in closing locker rooms and clubhouses to all non-essential personnel in response to the coronavirus crisis. Santa Clara County has banned all public gatherings of more than 1,000 people for the next three weeks. That will impact San Jose Sharks home games, San Jose Earthquake home games, and the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament at Stanford. Whether those will be played in front of no fans or moved to other sites, still to be determined. College basketball tonight, Gonzaga and St. Mary's in the WCC Tournament title game, 7 o'clock on ESPN. St. Mary's beating BYU 51-50 to in the semis. Top of the Wire brought to you by Ken Garf, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. Buy your next car, Ken Garf, West Valley Used Cars. Now with more than 600 used vehicles in stock. Ken Garf, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram has Utah's largest pre-owned inventory in one location. Stop by and see them today. Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Aggie guard Sam Merrill with us. Everybody in the building thought that you would take the shot. What's it like to go through the final 10 seconds of that? Fortunately, it's tied. There's a ton more pressure when you're down than when it's tied. So it doesn't feel like a must make. But for me, I was the whole week hoping that I'd get an opportunity like that. So getting that opportunity was was awesome. And then I was just trying to get the best, not the best shot, because that shot I took probably wasn't a very high percentage shot. But I knew I could get whatever shot I wanted. So I just rhythmed up with my left hand and took a little step back. And that's a shot I've taken thousands of times, so I was pretty confident that it would go in. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I think we really struggled to score, obviously, the last six minutes, and I didn't think that, you know, we were lacking execution, per se. Um, we just didn't we didn't score, you know. So, you know, as I said, our, our bench had given us, you know, a great stretch and, and got extended, and then we came back, and I felt like the game was going our direction and, and, and flipped back the other way. Quinn Snyder at the podium after the Jazz game. What went wrong? Well, Rudy Gobert was one for four, and Bojan Bogdanovic was two of eight. Donovan Mitchell was four of 16. Three guys they count on for about 60 points a night, and they were seven of 28. They shot 25%. They only scored 22 points. PK, that's 38 points to make up, and that was ultimately way too much. They lose 101-92, and 92 has not been a winning number in the NBA for a few years now can't have it we just can't have it you got to start making changes what changes would you suggest put the ball in the basket more okay (laughs) the best change of all (laughs) turns out that's what they give you points for Uh, you don't get points for trying nope oh dang it (laughs) nope you do all the other stuff trying to get a better shot so you can put the ball in the basket that's what all the screening and all the cutting and all the faking and all the ball handling is all about oh at the end of the day you still got to Put the biscuit in the basket. It's not a cup. I hate a cup. I hate when Mark calls it a cup. I do not not call it a cup. A cup cup has a bottom. It's a bucket or a basket. Put it in the bucket. I'll go hoop. Hoop? Hoop? Okay. Yeah. But they didn't do any of those things. It didn't go in the hoop, the the basket, the cup, or uh, anything. Nothing. Frustrating. Yes. And I thought they got a lot of good shots. They attacked the rim. I know you couldn't watch the game. You were busy with the West Coast Conference Tournament. You're in Las Vegas right now. But you would have been, if anything, and this is a total second guess, if anything, they should have attacked the rim less and shot more threes. 
There were some three-pointers or some spots on the floor clearly being conceded by Toronto. Locke was referencing some of them during his radio broadcast. They gave up the most in the league. Yes, it's what they do, and the corner threes were there, and they made. So if anything, it'd be, well, attack the rim less and shoot more corner threes. Keep shooting them. They are hitting them, uh, but it was, the, it was Donovan being one of eight or one of seven, whatever it was, inside of six feet, and Bogdanovich over three, and Clarkson missing a, a layup and a two-on-one. And you look at a lot of those two point baskets in a nine point game and think that could have made a huge difference right there and it and it didn't how did it go not not seeing the game myself Mm -hmm. the first time this season how did it go for Bogdanovich how did he just look did he look like he was into it did he look like he was off was he just existing out on the floor funny you mention that because I watched him walk to the bench uh, probably early third quarter and he looked pissed (laughs) <laughs> he just, he looked mad. He looked frustrated. He wasn't having a night, and he knew it, and he just couldn't change it. So he's upset at himself. That's what I, that's how I took it. Uh, they did okay. not bring him out for postgame comment because we do not go in the locker room anymore. Uh, the locker rooms are all closed now across every sport except the NFL, which is out of season, so they haven't had to make any announcement. But baseball and soccer and college locker rooms are pretty much already closed. I guess the NCAA tournament, they're usually open for 10 minutes, but that may change this year. We'll have to see how that plays out. So yeah. they didn't bring him out, so I didn't, I didn't hear him talk about it. But his body language, he just looked really frustrated, and I, I thought it was with him. I didn't see him giving any teammate the business or anything like that. doesn't mean it didn't happen, but I didn't see it. I, I just took it as he's having a bad night and he knows it. And, you know, if, if you weren't, if you didn't listen, we talked about this earlier a few days ago, but he came out and said uh, um, a week or so ago, we're playing, we're playing poorly. We're losing and I'm playing poorly. I have to play better. He wasn't, I don't think he's looking to put it on anybody else. He sure wasn't that day at shoot around. That was all on him. He didn't take a lot of shots, but eight's not a small number of shots either. Two for eight in 24 minutes. It wasn't going well for him, so Quinn didn't play him. You know, when we talk about, well, you got to leave the bench in there, well, that's eating up some of his minutes. That's where he lost six minutes. That would have put him at 30. That'd be pretty close to a normal game for him. He might play a couple more than that. And both times the bench, uh, end of the first, start of the second quarter, the bench had a great run. They went on like a 19-5 to run and took control of the game. And then in the fourth quarter, when they got down 10 and it looked like all was lost, they went on a 15-3 to run. They were up 87-85 in the middle of the fourth quarter. And the starters came back in, and the whole thing went south again. And what I want to see from guys like him, and I think you see this from uh, a better, higher-level caliber of player, is they manage to make big baskets even though they're not shooting the ball well in a particular night. Yep. So get away from the extremes to where it's six points or it's 29 points. <laughs> you know, find a yep. way to make big buckets even though you're not hot and it's so, not your night, but still guy, manage yeah. to contribute. Two guys did that, Mike Conley and Joe Ingles. And Conley statistically did not have a good game. You know, 13 points on 4 of 12 shooting doesn't jump out at you. But he was 3 of 7 from 3. 
and they were plus seven while he was on the court because he's on the court with uh, four. They're, they're playing nine guys now. So when the four guys who come off the bench, Niang, Bradley, Clarkson, and Ingles, they usually get a pretty good stretch of the game with Conley as the fifth player. And he fit in those. And although he didn't hit a lot of shots, the threes he hit were all timely. It was all a time where you thought, hey, they need to stop a run or they need to pull away a little bit here. And he hits a big three. And, you know, it's one of those deals when you're in the arena, you can feel it in the crowd. You know, and he hits it, and people are like, yes, they needed that three right then. So I think he did a little bit of that. And then Ingles had two enormous threes in that 15-3 to run. Um, I was sitting with Ben Anderson, who was just on uh, at that point, and he was charting it. And I think, Joe, I think he said Joe had 10 points in a row right then, of his 20. Um, and, and Joe didn't get to the free throw line at all. Um, four of eight from behind the three-point line, and then four of four inside on the two-point shots, and he got 20 points. So those two guys, I thought, hit the timely shots that really um, got, got people going, got the crowd into it, and changed the flow of the game. Yeah, I think that's what I want to see more out of Bogey is finding ways to get the ball in the bucket when it isn't your night. Because yeah. when it's your night, all right, yeah, I get it. You feel like yeah, you can't miss. That's a great feeling. But it's not going to be there. Yeah. You want it there as many times as you can possibly have it. But if you don't have it in fill-in-the-blank game, still find a way to get close to your average. Because I think the great scorers do that. Yes. You know, and, and how they do it, nine times out of ten, you got to get to the free throw line. Bogdanovich, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles combined for zero free throw attempts. Bogdanovich didn't get the line. Mitchell didn't get the line. Ingles didn't get to the line. And I think when you're having an off night, and, and you can look in box scores, and, and two guys who do it for sure, because I check their stats a lot, because if you check stats, these would be like two of the first guys you check, LeBron James and James Harden. Probably Kawhi does too, but it doesn't jump out at me as much. I'd have to go look. Uh, maybe Giannis does it too. But I know LeBron, they can have those nights where there's 7 of 17, which isn't a particularly good shooting percentage. And then you look up and they got 23 points anyway. And, and with Harden, you know, he'll have a couple of threes, and maybe LeBron will too. But you look and LeBron will shoot eight free throws and Harden will shoot 12, and they make them. They don't shoot 71% at the line. Now, the Jazz didn't get many free throws, only 14, but they made 10 of them. 71%. That's on the low end. Uh, Toronto only shot 18, but they were 16 of 18, 89%. So in a nine-point win, they pick up six points at the line. It matters. It adds up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just feel like you need to get with these guys, Dave. Because when I'm Nope, sitting, nope. There'll be a 15-foot perimeter. Uh, no, but, yeah, I mean, you, you, can, you can send biorhythmic waves to them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Quinn Snyder can read a box score and realize those three guys didn't shoot free throws. I am sure he knows that. Pretty sure he knew that during the game. Yeah, but you've got experience, man. You've been there. You're an award winner. And That's all true. I, all right, I, I'll do it. I, I, for the betterment of our community, you must. Yeah, get me Donovan Mitchell's cell. I was going to say get his home number. Who, but who has a landline? No, he doesn't have it. No, nobody under ninety has a landline anymore. Do you have a landline? I know a person under ninety that has a landline. You do? Yes. Yeah, we have a landline. You my in-laws. <laughs> I've been informed we'll have a. Are you? Uh, are you under I don't want to get into why it's too depressing, but yeah. Okay. What do you mean? Well, I've got an elderly relative, and when they pass, then we probably won't. But that's like the number they know to call. They can't. Oh, they can't. They can't remember the other numbers. Oh. <laughs> 
If you made them, they would. You're an enabler on landlines. That's all. The, I may I've always be. said that. You're an enabler when it comes to landlines. Our landline has been gone for at least 10 years. Yep. Lucky you. Well, I just put my foot down. It's not about luck, Dave. <laughs> it's about controlling your life, and you decide what you're going to do. It's not about luck. You and your freaking luck. What do you mean, lucky me? Lucky I said you. to the little lady, we're not having a landline. And she said, but, and I said, I won't hear it. It's just not going to happen. And as you see it, you'll come to my way of thinking, which, of course, she did. And we all fell in the line into our divinely appointed roles. And that's exactly what we have. And we don't have landlines. So I don't get any scam calls or spam calls or junk calls. You don't get them on your cell? I'm getting them on my cell now. No, all you got to do is click the uh, thing that if I don't know your number, it doesn't ring. So, sure, I get them. But I never know it because it doesn't ring. It just hit the little green thing comes on. And if I don't have your number programmed in, it's not ringing. And I'm good to go. So... Uh, the salespeople, they can call me all they want, but I never hear it. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean by sales, I don't mean our sales department. I mean people trying to sell you stuff. Okay. All right. Uh, we talked a little jazz this morning. We talked a little BY2. A bitter loss. How did it all go so horribly wrong? Oh, yeah. So many ways. And they just let St. Mary's beat them up. And. I thought that... Uh, Hawes going 2 for 14 was a problem. Yoli yeah. Childs going 5 for 10 at the free throw line in a one-point loss was a problem. Jake Toulson only taking seven shots when he might have been the most efficient of the three of them. Maybe he wouldn't have been if he'd gotten more shots, but it, it would have been interesting to see. Only getting him seven shots, that seems like that's a problem too. Oh, for sure, yeah. So there's I think three things. FGAs, he's got to be number two most times. Not necessarily all times, but particularly when the other guy who FGAs is two of 14, yeah, you got to find a way. Because I think that in those types of matchups, Tulson has the body to be able to get down low and match the physicality, mm-hmm. whereas Hawes is a skinny, lanky dude. And he's not going to be posting up anyway because you need him at the top running your offense. So they managed the ball to Yoli a fair amount. I would have liked to have seen Tulson. Yeah, Yoli got 20 shots and 10 free throws. They definitely got him the ball. Yeah, yeah, and I've got no problem with that. But I would have liked to have seen that they get the ball more to Tulson, particularly when they just absolutely needed some buckets, man. What did they go, nine minutes without a field goal in the second half? And then they made one, and then they were dry again. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this is excruciating (laughs) here. You just needed a couple more plays, and you would have put enough distance when you have score and time between you and St. Mary's and really would have added the pressure on St. Mary's. But St. Mary's never came down in the last few minutes where they were down by more than a possession. So all they needed to do was get a stop, and then they get a score, and then they got the lead. And ultimately, that's what happened. But uh, that that was as frustrating as a loss as could possibly be for these guys because, come on, man, they should have won that game. They should be sleeping right now, getting ready to play Gonzaga and have an opportunity to beat them because so much was at stake for the reputation of your program. And now you won't get that chance in the conference. You'll get the chance in the NCAs. And if you go to the Sweet, St- Sweet 16, sure, all right, if you're playing in that second weekend, then, oh, wow, that actually turned out good for us. 
Uh, but there's, see, they're just not at the level of this of uh, Gonzaga, and and really they're not at the level of St. Mary's either. And this is all about the seniors that they had. So the opportunity was just handed to them. But I'm not. I mean, they earned the opportunity, but it was a golden opportunity to do something different. And now you're going to go into your tenth year, where it's still Gonzaga and St. Mary's as the top two teams in this conference. I don't see how you can argue. And you had a chance to change that. And maybe it was only temporary. And so, man, maybe you could find a way to uh, win a couple of ball games here uh, in, starting in nine days. And that would be great, too. And if it's actually not only great, it would be better. But at least, you know, if that doesn't happen then it's like Utah football. All right, you won the South, but for the second year in a row, you lost your last two games. And that's not a good look. And you can try to spin that and act like, okay, we won the South. Yeah, you won the South. Good for you. But then in two ball games at the end, you didn't do nearly enough. In fact, this last year, you got creamed in both games. So you can't spin that puppy. And at least for BYU, say they go out in the first round or maybe even the second, if they had won a West Coast Conference title, you know, I think that, that you can spin that. Because you didn't win the regular season. Well, if you could have won the tournament and you could say, well, yeah, we didn't win the regular season, but, man, we peaked at the right time. And you begin to get two out of three, which would yeah. always sound good and feel good. Yeah, and now that's out, out of the win. You didn't get a chance to play those guys for the third time. Why not? I mean, the more I think about it, the more frustrated and bitter I am for those guys. Now, they need to forget about it at some point, for sure. But it's not right now. No, today it's got a stew as they uh, assume they're going to go to the airport and go home. And and uh, tonight, I don't even know how you could turn on the television. Good thing is that you can get back at it and take out your frustrations on whoever you might play when we find out on Sunday night. Uh, but for now, man, this, this is just a kick in the teeth. Greg Rubel tweeting out the numbers against Gonzaga and St. Mary's. They now have 13 wins and 31 losses since they joined the conference. 13 and 31 against the big two. It's not very good. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's I mean, that's good. just, just – and, and there shouldn't be a big two. Maybe a big one. But if there's going to be a big two, then there must be a big three. Greg has them at six and seventeen against Gonzaga, and seven and fourteen, slightly better against St. Mary's. All right, there it is. That's what we've been talking about. Those two games have dominated the show, and of course, catching you up to date. You nine o'clock slackers just joining the show. Brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. When we come back, the feedback of the day brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or audisaltlakecity.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Question of the morning. How disappointing was Monday night for Jazz and BYU fans? And Scotty says, it's an absolutely horrible night. Can't argue with that. Basketball fans get fired up for two big games and they both go south. 
Ryan says, uh, with the Jazz now 3-7 and seven at home in the last 10, he says they've got to get that figured out. For some reason, yep. the energy, effort, and concentration appears to be much better on the road right now. Yeah, I know. Obviously. Yeah, it's a clear-cut deal. You can't really debate that. I think that's because uh, they expect to win at home because teams are coming in shorthanded and back-to-back and they've been so good at home. A little complacency creeping in, taking it for granted. Uh, yeah, I think maybe earlier, but it shouldn't be not now. That's, not when you're 3-6 and what, six in the last nine. No, right? no, no. And when you're down to just you know under 20 games to go and, and every game has a swing in terms of uh, seating, and you know ultimately it will decide when we get there. But, yeah, no, I can't buy that. Uh, there was some form of uh, complacency, as you say. Not, not, not now. Just no, not now. Lane says, on a scale of one to ten, the disappointment is a ten out of ten. He is fully and completely disappointed. I don't blame him. Emilio says, you know, I'm a BYU Jazz and Cleveland Browns fans. So I kind of get to expect that disappointment. Mm, to an extent, but I didn't expect the thing that happened. I did not expect the Cougars losing fifty-one to fifty. No, Just didn't didn't see it. Seventy-three seventy would have been different, right? Uh, yeah. Ute Shasta trailer says, "Wait a minute, PK is going to get the Athlon guide and bear down on it. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. the ultimate taboo for a Sun Devil?" Yeah, the collegiate level, but in the when, everyone knows when it comes to soccer, I bear down. I mostly bear it until it's over, but it doesn't seem like it ever ends. Ryan says, disappointment? Whew, I'm very disappointed. But if BOU plays well in the NCAA tournament, nobody will even remember it. I think yeah, we'll always okay. remember it, mm, it but we, won't, what, we just won't care. What does, remem- what does play well mean? I took it to Sweet 16. Oh, sure. If you get that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the year the uh, Cats won the title, speaking of the Cats, I think they were fourth or fifth in the conference, so, so who cares? So what, right, yeah. I think a qualifying is good, winning a game is very good, and if they win two games, that's a great season. It's a, yeah, it's a good no season question. now, but you got to upgrade this thing to very good or great. It's too uh, and, close. And, 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 you can and, and, just and, taste it. It's right there. I'm okay with that, but I also think that they need to claim a conference title Get a regular season and or tournament. And it looked like this year it was set up for them to at least get to the final. And they didn't do that. And it's like, come on. This is crazy, man. You you just you haven't taken that next step that you took in the Mountain West. You, you, you didn't win – well, you won one conference title in the Mountain West, but you won multiple regular seasons, and you haven't done either in the West Coast. It doesn't make any sense. We're out of time. We will see you tomorrow. Tony and Austin are up next.